listening to First Church Charlotte. John chapter number five. Let's stand together as our habit is. John chapter number five, and we will read a passage of scripture together. I am preaching from this subject, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It sounds like a needless question. It sounds like one of those Did you really have to ask in order to know? I would remind you of just how terse the scripture is written. Terse just means concise, really tight, clean. Um, The scripture isn't super wordy. Uh, The the, the scripture will pack a whole lot into one, one phrase. So why would you ask a question and why would it be part of the the miracle story. John chapter number five, there was this feast. We're in verse number one, feast of the Jews. Jesus is in Jerusalem. Uh, There is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool. And the name of the pool in Hebrew is Bethesda, has five porches. Now lying under all of these porches is a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they're waiting for the moving of the water. An angel would stir a certain time in the pool the water, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. A certain man had been there for a very long time. He had been sick for a very long time, 38 years. Jesus sees him there. Jesus visits this place. Jesus looks upon all the sick people. He speaks to one person. He's in this place, surrounded by sick people, porches and porches of broken people. He speaks to one person. And he asked this question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? So that's my title for today. I really want to impart something to you. Uh, One of the, so real quick, um, I, I, whenever I feel like I have a word to share, I make sure I do a good job of praying that word into my spirit. I don't mean that in a mythical way. I simply mean this, I need to understand it, and then I need to pray until I get a deep burden to impart it to you. If I'm flip about it, I failed in prayer. If I'm just like, oh, I hope they get it, I failed in prayer. Because the only thing in my life, I don't have any business interests anymore that of any size. I have little things, but I don't have any, I don't, my hobbies are just to stay fit. My whole life is wrapped up in my ability to impart a spiritual truth to the people who trust me to do so. And so I pray it into my spirit. And when I get done, if I feel like I didn't impart it, it's like I have to pray through. (laughs) It's like I have to repent because this is the only thing that matters. And so when I have a truth like this, I so much want to impart it to you because I believe it is life changing. Before you're seated, smile at your neighbor and say, do you want to get well? (laughs) Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As a church, we believe in the power of healing. Uh, we celebrate healing at this church. We celebrate it. Healing is more than just give me what I want. Healing is more than that. Healing is very much how God manifests his dominion in this world. In fact, in the scripture... Healing is how God chose to reveal his identity 
as the Son of God, as the anointed deity within a human body. Healing is how the Lord chose to show the world what he offered to them. The most consistent thing Jesus does after he has spoken, after he has taught, after he has shared truth, is that he heals people. It's the most common thing in the scripture. Uh, There are many places again and again where Jesus healed everyone who was there. Somebody say everybody. He healed everybody. And so healing is God's method of showing who he is. And even today, I believe that the greatest power of healing is not that you would get relief from a disease. Now, I'm not trying to low-rate suffering. I've, I'm, I've been very sick. Um, I know what it is to be just miserable and broken in sickness. So uh, I'm not trying to low-rate that. But I, I, wanna, I want us all to confess this truth. Because serving God is not about our ability to abracadabra what we want out of him. Right. Serving God is about his kingdom his gospel, his dominion, his manifestation here on earth. Okay, so I want God to heal you physically. I want God to heal me physically, but I'm going to die anyway. Why? I'm human. You are human. Uh, My death is not eternal. My life is eternal. The Lord is going to keep my soul forever with him, and there's going to be a final scriptural unity that is achieved between the souls of the people who have served the Lord and his very presence in this city where the presence of God is so thick that his very presence is the light, and there's no shadow in that city because nothing can come between you and his presence. Okay, so we're going to die anyway. So although healing of our body is amazing and it's great, even though we get relief, and I thank God for it, and even though God chooses physical healing as a demonstration of his identity, a demonstration of his promise, and a demonstration of his dominion over this world and its physical laws, even though he uses healing as a witness, even though he uses witnesses, uh, he uses healing as a sign that these are his people. This is why he says, greater work shall you do. Because healing when you pray is just a much, as much a testimony of the promises of God and the dominion of God as when Jesus himself walked the earth. However, the most important healing in our lives is not the physical. Why? We, we have limited years anyway. The most powerful manifestation of healing is what it teaches us about God, not what we get out of the negotiation. Praise the Lord, somebody. I want you you to see that when we believe for healing, we are not creating this doctrine of me first. I know that's popular in Christendom. And I know some people have taken it to the extent where it's almost as though God serves them. They don't serve God. Um, The the, the prosperity, self-centered, bless me doctrine can be taken too far. It can. We serve God. God doesn't serve us. And yet, somebody say, and yet. Yes. Healing is how God has chosen to manifest his dominion here on earth. So when you're sick, I want to pray for you. Yes. And I want to pray with expectation. Yes. And when you're healed, I want to jump up and down with you. And I want to say, our God is great and mighty. Yes. I want to walk in a hospital room, not with a, 
uh, a pragmatic acceptance of, you know, we're all going to die. Of course, we're all going to die. In the meantime, let's give God an opportunity to manifest his dominion here on earth. And let's show the world that we are not of this world. We are of another kingdom. Let's show the world that we don't live by sight. We live by faith. Let's show the world that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I want you to see that healing is the testimony of God, not simply the relief of flesh. And the reason why we as a church pray and believe is for the testimony of God. I crave the testimony of God in my life. Why would God choose healing as a manifestation of who he is and what he's going to do. Uh, scripturally, healing is used more to teach us than almost any other action that the Lord takes. Uh, he healed many, many people, but we are given 37 stories with details. So there's thousands of people healed. Uh, John, at the end of his gospel, says if everything Jesus did was written down, the world could not contain the books that were filled with the books of what Christ had done. Uh, but in the midst of that is 37 miracles with details we know of the stories. Now, why was, why was uh, some of these stories chosen and given to us as learning? Because there's a truth in the story that's not about the alleviation of suffering, but it's about the manifestation of God. And these stories teach us something about how God interacts through faith with this world. Today, we are at a remove from him, and we see him through faith. Somebody say a glass darkly. That makes you sound really poetic when you say that. A, gla a darkening sky, a glass darkly. But a day will come when there is no faith filter. We are face to face with him. But when that day comes, there will be no need for healing because we will be as he is. And so the opportunity for the manifestation of God will be gone to the world that is our mission. We will have no need of the manifestation of God because we'll be face to face. But the world that represents the mission and the heart of God has an opportunity to see the heart, the love of God through his works among his people. And so we believe for divine healing. More, we believe for spiritual healing. Spiritual healing is much more important than physical healing because spiritual healing is the manner in which the original sickness of our soul is brought to spiritual wholeness. What is the original sickness of our soul? It is rebellion against God. The original sickness of our soul is the sin whereby we chose through Adam and Eve to live of our own sense of rightness, not God's sense, to live in our own knowledge of good and evil, not submission to God's knowledge of good and evil, and we traded the presence of God, we traded that for a law whose only job was to convince us we in fact were sinners. Because what we do since we've been given the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and since we can rationalize our own good and evil, rather than seeing we're sinners, we explain why we aren't, and we justify our sins. And so you need law to point out to you, honey, on your best day, you are not good. Now tap your neighbor and say, that part's for you. <laughs> on your best day, you aren't good. That's what the law is supposed to teach you. Set a rule for yourself. See how it goes. Better yet, cut out sugar. 
half of us will look down our nose at someone addicted to drugs and we can't give up sweetener in our coffee. The next time you get judgmental at some alcoholic, honey, give up sugar for a week. We'll see how you do. You'll be justifying it. Well, now sugar's the fruit of the land. And so, yeah, so is the poppy plant. We get in the business of justifying ourselves, and the law comes along and says, honey, your justifications are pitiful. You need a covering. You need washing. You need a redeemer. You need the Lamb of God to paint over your heart the blood of covering, and so the death angel will pass over you. I'm trying to preach today, but I keep chasing rabbits. You guys bring rabbits to church, and they get out, and they run all over the place. So Jesus teaches through miracles, and there's 37 of them. Uh, Sometimes Jesus refused to perform miracles, um, most notably at... Uh, the end where he's called before King Herod. King Herod wants a sign. Jesus won't even speak to him. You can read the story yourself, Luke 23. Jesus won't even speak to him. Another place, uh, Jesus goes to his hometown, and they will only see him. They will only see him as the son of Mary, the brother of the other children of Joseph and Mary. They will not see him as God. And when you refuse God an opportunity to manifest himself as God, you receive no works of God. You see, because the goodness of God that is the blessing upon us is the manifestation of who he is. And when we are made whole, when we are brought into spiritual wholeness, it is not simply the alleviation of our needs and wants. It is the manifestation of who he is and what he wants to do. So I have this good report for all of you. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. He wants to heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal you in your spirit. And he wants to heal you in your body. And he does not want to do it just because woe is you. He wants to do it because of who he is. And so I want to point out this to you. Uh, All of us are spiritually sick. We are all spiritually sick. Uh, We, all of us in our flesh, now those of you who have been born again, those of you who have uh, given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been cleansed, and I am not trying to convince you you're still sick. I'm saying if it were not for God in your life, you would be broken. You would be broken, 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 and there would be no way for you to fix yourself. You needed mercy placed in your life. Can I have a big amen? You needed grace placed in your life. And so what we see in this act of healing is a continual reminder of our need and his ability. This is why Jesus takes such a tone of healing in his ministry. I came not to call righteous people who think they have everything together. I came for the broken. I came for the lowly. I came for the sick people. They they that be well have no need of a physician. So I'm not surprised that you don't like my ministry, Mr. Pharisee. You don't perceive your own sickness. And so I didn't come to you. I came to those who knew they were sick. And they called in desperation. And I heard their call. This is why the tone of healing is so consistent in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This theme is continually brought again. Without Christ in our life, we live with fractured souls. You were created, you were created to live a different kind of life than your flesh is living. 
You were created to walk with God. You were created to have fellowship with God. You were created to worship the one who breathed life into you and gave you the gift, not just of life, but sovereignty. If you don't want to love him, you don't have to. That's God's gift of sovereignty to you. And yes, he endures rejection from those who won't, but it enables the opportunity of true love for those who will. And so here is the Lord. Here is the Lord creating us, and we choose against his way, and it fractures our soul. You are even so made to be a worshiper. You may not worship God. You may worship money. You may worship career. You may worship children. You may worship family. You may worship fun. You may work, but you're worshiping something. Worship is simply to impute high value to something. That's all it is. You can worship a sports team. If your greatest joy comes from your team winning, I hope you like a winning team. If your greatest joy comes from how much money, that's why when we arrive at what we think we want, it's always interesting to see just how uh, lost people are when they get what they want. Because what they wanted wasn't what they really wanted. They thought it would do something it would not do. We live with a fractured soul, and our society shows the symptoms. I don't mean to be depressing. I want you to understand where we are. Our society lives with the symptoms of fractured souls every day. You know the reason why people will read negative news? Do you want to? Why is the news that is read always negative? Why is it always about crazy people doing crazy things? Why Why you read the paper, the paper and you're like, that, 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 that. Is the world nuts? Because that sells. The news are in, it's a business, and they want to give you what sells. If you would read stories about kittens, puppies, fluffies, and the like, they would sell you that. But you're not willing to pay for that. But stories of human brokenness, you'll pay for that. Why? It's somehow reassuring to know you're not the only one. And on the flip side, We see in our society these great screams of pain. Like Paul said, the whole creation seems to groan. There's this yearning, these screams of pain like the the modern modern, uh, drug problem. So many people dying from opioids. Opioids are always a response to pain. That's what opioids do best. They take away pain. And more people are di- so many people are dying from opioids right now that the life expectancy in America has actually gone down among certain groups. Because so many people are dying from opioids. And the vast majority of them are not the homeless people you see who's out begging for another fix. They are fairly functional. And every night... And it's killing them. It's killing cities. It's killing whole communities. It is a community-wide, social-wide cry of pain. We've had more. We've had more entertainment than we've ever had. We have more of this world than we've ever had. We have more opportunities in many ways than we've ever had. And there's this great scream of the fractured soul. Is this all there is? And the flip side of pain is rage. And so another man gets himself an AR and goes into some bar and kills 47 people. Another guy goes to a school and these are the communities that they are supposed to be a part of. And they feel the only way they can find some type of wholeness is to cause as much pain as they can. And this is the world we live in. We need a healer. 
because the soul of our society, the soul of the heart is fractured down the middle. But Jesus speaks to a generation. Jesus speaks to a whole society. And he asks this question, do you want to be whole? Do you want to get well? So Jesus steps into this, this, this place and he sees all of these sick people. And I, as I said earlier, all of us are spiritually sick. Uh, sin makes us sick. And yet sin is what we think we want. Uh, I read a story this past week of radium that was discovered uh, by Marie, uh, Marie Curie and her husband Pierre at the Royal Academy of Sciences. They discovered radium, which is radioactive element. And it was, of course, dangerous because it was radioactive. And they didn't know it was radioactive and they didn't know that it would kill people. And so they just thought it was a cool element. And so they started putting it in chocolate as a way to sell more chocolate. And they would advertise that the chocolate had uh, radium in it, and they called it, they gave it the name, a company named Burke and Braum made uh, radium chocolate, and they gave it to everyone, and it killed people. They put it in water and marketed the water as revigorator, uh, as a way to let people know this is the good water, it's full of radium. They put it in toys, they put it in nightlights, they put it in toothpaste, because there's no white teeth like teeth that glow in the dark. <laughs> I love y'all too. They put it in cosmetics because that shine, that shine, that shine. Uh, they put it in heating pads and suppositories. They gave it to people to treat impotence. And of course, it caused cancer everywhere. Health spas marketed themselves as being radium centers. Centers, not sinners. Well, sinners too. And it's killing them. This is what sin does. This is what sin does to us. It kills our souls. So Jesus shows up at this porch, and I want to point out a couple things here really quick. Uh, none of the things in this story are an accident. All of them teach a lesson. And so this is the, the pool of Bethesda, and it is, first of all, there's no Bible, tell him I said hello, there's no Bible, um, shall I say, uh, approval of the pool of Bethesda. There's no prophet that says this is of God. Uh, there's no promise that God says I will heal, heal people there. It is pure superstition. Even the text we read in the King James Version, verse 4 is not in the older manuscripts. Uh, that one that says an angel would come and trouble the water, that was added. That was added several hundred years later. If you go to the older manuscripts, that passage is not, not in there. Verse number 4, I don't mean to mess you guys up here, but I think this is important for you to see how humanity, uh, how, how, how superstition becomes part of the way people pursue God. And so uh, verse number four, an angel went down a certain time, stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first, stirring of the water, they were healed. That's not in the old manuscripts that was added. Uh, and if you read this, uh, the other passages, other translations such as ESV, uh, you'll read num verse number four, uh, lay a multitude, or verse number three, and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. They skip verse four, they get to five. One man had, were there for, uh, for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd already been there for a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? People came to this pool of Bethesda because they believed something would happen there. Maybe the Lord honored their faith. It would totally be like the Lord to honor faith. I've seen the Lord heal people that they had nothing else in their life that was godly in any regard, but in that moment, God healed them. 
Uh, it could very well have been that, 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 that the Lord honored their faith. But I want you to see, there's no biblical authority. There's no biblical anointing upon this bull of Bethesda. It becomes a center of superstition if I can get there. Jesus walks in, the one who can heal. But no one can see the healing he offers because they already have an answer. They just don't know how to make it work. And so here's this man. Jesus stops with one man. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? They're surrounded by sick people. So the first thing to realize is the superstitious setting is not an accident. It's a teaching moment. All the story of humanity is how we have superstitiously tried to get to God. And we've created religion after religion. We've tried to get to him. And he finally came and walked among us. And he became the word incarnate. And so I give to you Jesus, Savior of the world. Superstition's not going to get it done. You need to meet Jesus. And so he says to them, do you want to get well? The sick people are everywhere. Uh, This pool, literally, the the word Bethesda, uh, it is two words. We have shortened it in the style of Americans and made it Bethesda, like a city in Maryland. Uh, But it's two words. It's Bethesda. Bethesda. Beth is house of. Hesda can mean various things. It can be rightly translated in both Aramaic and Greek. It can be rightly translated as, um, so remember Beth is house of. It can be translated as house of mercy. It can be translated as house of grace. But there's this trick in the language of both Aramaic and Greek. The same word, Hesda, can also mean shame. It can also mean disgrace. So you could say it like this. Jesus came to the house of shame and the house of disgrace. And he said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? You see, church, in my own own heart, I believe church should in some way reflect the, 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 the mercy heart of God and the father heart of God. It should reflect how it's sick people who feel comfortable in church. Now we can, uh, we can make church feel like a house of shame <laughs> or we can make church feel like a house of grace. It's all in how you want to use the word, honey. I said it's all in how you want to use the word. Thank you. Somebody got it. You can make the house a house of grace, a house of mercy, or you can make the house a house of shame and a house of disgrace. It's all how you use the word. So I want to say to all of you lovely people, we knew you weren't perfect before you got here. But since you're here, Jesus changes everything. Jesus stands in a superstitious setting. He's surrounded by sick people. And he asked the question to all of these people who could hear him. Now he's speaking to one man. But if I know anything about God, I know he was always open to somebody saying, what about me? Well, I didn't come for you. I know, Lord, but I could still get a blessing maybe at a discount rate. But it's not your day. Oh, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Anybody who is there waiting on a 
superstitious formula so they can get lucky. Once you decide on where your help's going to come from, it may be that you no longer look for it from God. But when you come to the end of yourself and you say, I, if God doesn't help me, I'm not going to be helped. If God doesn't save me, I'm not going to be saved. Once you are ready, once your heart is open, all of a sudden the Lord stops by and says, do you want to get well? Notice this man doesn't have an answer. He, this is such a first principles kind of question. This is such a fundamental, what, what, what do you mean do I want to get well? The man doesn't even give an answer. There's a really simple answer. It goes like this. Yeah. Please. As soon as possible. The man doesn't know what to say. Jesus says, do you want to get well? The man doesn't have his faith organized, but he has his excuses organized. I think you'll be the only one to get that too, honey. He doesn't have his faith. Let me tell you something. Get your faith organized. God can, God will. I'm getting my faith organized. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. My faith is organized. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when I want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. What am I doing? I'm organizing my faith. I don't know when. I don't know how. But God. All you have to do when God says, do you want to get well, is say, yepster. I'm your huckleberry. That's a 90s joke. But he does have his excuses organized. He doesn't have any answer to give to Jesus. But he says, well, I don't have anybody. Okay. That's very real. Lots of people don't have the support they need. In fact, most of the sick people in the world didn't have the support they needed. Most of the hurt people in the world didn't have the support that they needed. But you have a healer who ask you a simple question. Do you want to get well? And so, here we see the reality. I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. You see the reality of someone who comes to a realization that God is not simply adopting their narrative. We all tell ourselves stories. We all defend ourselves with stories. We create narratives for ourselves. The Lord rejects the narrative and asks him a fundamental question. Do you want to get well? You see, all of us are the product of the things we've survived. And what you survive has become your identity. You are what you've survived. There's a problem. Some of the things you've survived hurt you so much and marred you so much and marked you so much that you can't become who you need to be in God because you're too busy being who you became through struggle, loss, and pain. And your past has too much of a vote on your present. And so the Lord asks you, would you like to get well? Would you like to be remade? Would you like to move on? After 38 years, what you have survived is who you are. You see, healing is not just the pain in your body. It's the mindset 
that allowed you to survive the pain. And that's why if life hurts you enough, your brain can be all spiritually deformed and you can begin to believe things that are as bad for you as the actual sickness was in your life. You start telling yourself lies. You start telling yourself (laughs) cliches that make the pain easier to manage but destroy your faith. And so what you survived becomes an acid drip of negativity in your heart. I have a question for you. Do you want to get well? You don't have to overthink it. You just have to say, yes, Lord. And the Lord's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to a generation. He's going to speak to a people. He is going to speak to the whole of the story of redemption. And he's going to say, take up your bed and walk. Gather your things. I want to tell you today, God is your healer. And no matter what you've survived, there isn't just survival grace. There's victory grace. No matter who hurt you, no matter who hurt me, we aren't just survivors. We are overcomers. And I want spiritual healing to begin to get past your barrier of excuses and get down to where you're living, where you no longer speak survival to yourself. You speak faith to yourself. Some of us are so good at speaking survival to ourselves. I'll give you an example. Well, I'm just, I'm not going to quit. You poor darling, I'm hurt. I know exactly how you're hurting. I said that to myself many times. Well, I'm not giving up. You're talking survival. I want you to start talking victory. You're speaking survival. I want you to speak victory. Because we decide by the healing power of God, and I'm done, we decide that the past no longer has a vote in our present and certainly doesn't have any control in our future. Let's all stand across the house. I've been preaching to some people here today, and I'm making an appeal to you in the spirit. You need to let God work in your heart and soul. You need to let God heal some things you've survived. And I believe that can happen here right now. Lord Jesus, you see every heart that's here today. You see the people who have, some of them have been marked in various ways by life. And they need a healing in their spirit that is not just the relief of suffering, but it is the manifestation of your name and your power among your people. Let it happen here at First Church, oh God. Let us be restored. Let us be healed by your power. Let us become living evangels of your strength, ambassadors of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to invite you to step out of the chair you're in right now. I'd like to invite all who will to come down to this front. We're going to spend one of the one of the greatest ways, one of the greatest ways, I believe, you can open your heart to miraculous intervention is when you use that 
to glorify God in your world. I believe one of the most powerful things you can do is let what God has done for you become a testimony for who He is and how you've been changed. And so I want us today, I want you to think of some, so I know this doesn't apply to all of us. That's okay. That's very typical in any given Sunday. It doesn't apply to everybody. I'm I'm, I'm appealing to some of you people that I've been preaching to here today. You get to a point of victory and you're almost there and then you remember and start thinking about what happened. You start thinking about who did what, who said what, and your faith, which was up here, it's as though someone shoots it with a shotgun and it falls from the sky like a dead bird. Plop. Did I give you enough of an image? You were flying along and the devil goes, boom. And you remember what someone said and you remember what someone did and you collapse And you know what you do when you hit the ground? You go back to the solutions of the flesh, which is always sin. Because sin is our plan to fix ourselves. And it's a jadaster. Sin fixes nothing. So I want you to do something right now. I want you to not just pray for healing. I want you to say, Lord, I'm going to be a testimony of how you healed me. I'm going to tell everybody in my life how you healed me. Come on right now. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every heart here today. I'm praying for every individual who has been attacked. They've been wounded. They've struggled on and they've got back up and... And Lord Jesus, every time they remember, every time they think what happened to them when they were a teenager, what what someone they trusted did to them, what someone they believed in did to them, they are they are they are, they're drugged back down into the flesh. Lord, I'm praying for healing and I'm making you this commitment. I will tell the world that you are my healer. I will tell my friends that you are my healer. Like King David, I will sing if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Like all of the house of Israel that sang praises before you, we will say, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, if it hadn't been for grace, if it hadn't been for mercy, if it hadn't been for the work of God, I would be without hope, I would be without strength, but because you loved me, because you poured your heart into me I am not just healed but I am a living evangel of how my God is a healer in Jesus name I will celebrate the healing of God I will celebrate the healing of God I will celebrate the healing of God I will testify of the healing of God I will sing of the healing of God Praise God, 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 praise God. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. 
For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.